Greg. Hi. I hear you like action movies, like Die Hard. Do I? Uh, you do. I also hear you like uh, you like hockey. I, oh, yeah, I so, do like hockey. So what if we we took those two things you loved and we smushed them together in 1995? Wait, don't answer yet. I'm going to sprinkle in some Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. Close to maybe at the tail end of uh, peak Jean-Claude Van Damme. He's going to fight uh, a mass hockey mascot, uh, some other people. Uh, he's going to disarm some bombs. He's going to be a firefighter, but also a ninja. It's going to take place in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals when no one seems right. excited about it. And they're going to have a helicopter crashing through the roof of a hockey rink. And just just mayhem and kids sneaking water is pistols it, is, into arenas. Where's the point where I interrupt you and say I have some <laughs> Right there. <laughs> Welcome to I Have Some Notes. This is the uh, podcast, part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial, where we take really, really lame movies, a lot of which are coming from the mid-90s the last uh, season or two, and we make them into stellar ox box office Oscar champions, just like the movie we're going to do, do today. My name is Colin McIntyre. I'm Greg Baver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Joining us on the podcast, special guest. Actually, this is this the first time we've actually had someone that's actually worked in film? No, no. Andrew Besso was on. Oh, Andrew Besso was in. Yes, yeah. So, so we're 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 bringing in professional film people. Also, Jeff and Sally. That's right. That's yes. right. Lots of film people. Lots of film Colin, people. I apologize to previous. Podcast. That's right. Uh, anyway, Robin Robin <laughs> Taylor from the we Cinematological Podcast is with us today. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, yeah. So the movie today we're going to be talking about. Uh, we actually talked about doing this one back in the summer, and we actually had to like delay it because we're doing Mighty Ducks at the start of the season. We had to push this back to coincide. It is we're taping this the weekend of the NHL All Star Game. This is the NHL's All Star Movie? Question mark. Sudden death. Uh, basically, Die Hard in a hockey rink. A lesser Die Hard yes. in a hockey rink, I would say. A much lesser Die Hard. This uh, movie came out in 1995. It stars uh, Jean Claude Van Damme uh, as as well as Darren Thomas Francis McCord, uh, firefighter turned. Firefighter. Is that his actual full name? Or That's his actual full name from those? the... No, that is the actual full name from Wikipedia. <laughs> Powers Booth as... I'm just going to call him Bad Guy. Uh, Powers Booth as Powers Booth. As Powers Booth. Uh, a bunch of other people. There's some hockey cameos. Uh, anyway, let's just let's let's just throw to the trailer. Let's uh, let's get this going uh, just right. As we get ready for the seventh and final game of the Stanley Cup Finals, you can feel the electricity in the air, and there's no question. It just sends a chill up your spine, Paul. That's a fact, Mike. And to make things even more exciting, the Vice President of the United States is here this evening. Don't leave your seats. I'm calling you from the Civic Arena. The vice president is being held hostage in the owner's box. And they've got my daughter, too. What is your objective? $1,700,000,000. We're still evaluating the situation. They want money. A lot of it. Give it to them. Do not try any kind of rescue. Do you understand me? If you're not going to pay, say so. I'll get my daughter. When the game ends, everyone in this box and in this arena will die by explosion, fire, and panic. 
Uh, now, this plot summary is actually written by our very own Greg Beaver, as opposed to our usual IMDb plot summaries, uh, which, if nothing else, means it'll probably read better. <laughs> <clears throat> Apparent disgrace to the firefighter uniform, Darren McCord has been demoted to fire marshal after a heroic attempt to save a little girl's life fails. Divorced and suffering from PTSD, McCord surprised his kids with tickets to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, but his jerk son is having none of it. Meanwhile, the only charismatic person in Pittsburgh has taken the vice president of the USA hostage and wired the Pittsburgh Penguins Arena with explosives. If he doesn't get a billiony jilliony dollars, everyone dies, even Yaramir Yager. McCord must now battle the clock to save Lord Stanley's Cup and maybe his kids from sudden death. The reason I wrote that is because the the IMDb plot summaries were thoroughly underwhelming. <laughs> Most of them were like two sentences. That's like weird, uh, weird that it's, it's like that. <laughs> uh, you should submit that as the new plot summary. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I, will. Totally yeah, yeah, I will. You you found you found you found a new colleague. Uh, I should I should point out the main star of this movie is actually the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, not Claude <laughs> Van Damme, just because it's all glowy and lights. And uh, for those for those who weren't aware. Uh, I've never seen it. The old Pittsburgh Civic Arena uh, was the first retractable roof stadium in the world, apparently. And they make full use of that in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, was it before the O? I thought the O was. Uh, no, the, the, the information I have here says it says it, says right. it was. But and, and information from the internet can't possibly yeah. be wrong. Says, says Abraham <laughs> I, Lincoln. I stand corrected. Uh, anyway, yeah. So this was. So this movie. Um, so this movie was. Uh, co-produced by Howard Baldwin, uh, who was the then owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, based and the movie is based on a story written by his wife, who was probably uh, a diehard fan of sorts. One would presume of the hockey team or of the movie. Uh, uh probably a little bit of both, but uh, I would assume she was a fan a fan of the hockey team. Uh, and yeah, so it does have some uh, some hockey cameos. Luke Robitaille's in this. Uh, it does it does list like Mario Lemieux and Yarmer Yager as like uncredited cameos. Um, you would think if Mario Lemieux was in it, you would have seen his face. I yes. don't You'd remember so. him in there yeah. at yeah. all. Uh, and the you know the Pittsburgh Penguins announcers and that and that sort of stuff. Oh, so. you know what? It, they might have used um, footage of um, Lemieux and Jagger in some of the game in a, some of the game screens, like on the yeah they might the monitors. I don't remember seeing his trademark sixty six anywhere. No, I, I, do I remember actually, seeing. 68. I didn't see it. Yeah. The uh, the apparently the, the hockey the hockey part was uh, they had to, was touch and go or actually they actually had to get uh, uh, players or players from the Johnstown Chiefs and the Wheeling Thunderbirds of the East Coast Hockey League to don uh, the NHL uniforms uh, because there was a lockout in the way when they mm. wanted to uh, of the game oh, they wanted right. to use so and you could tell at various points that some of the hockey action was not being filmed at the same time as some of the movie action yes because there were like it didn't. It didn't look like the crowd was the same. Like it no. looked like the reactions to the hockey was different. It was very disjointed. There were a few shots where, because I was watching it obviously with uh, with Anita, and there was a shot where she actually had me back it up because she was like, "I'm pretty sure that during this explosion, the seats are empty, and they kind of look empty <laughs> in the wide shot of the arena, despite the fact it's supposed to be a packed arena. The seats yeah. kind of look empty. Yeah. So, well, they used cardboard cutouts. Then they they put in a couple thousand extras and then used cardboard cutouts for everything else. Yeah, that's probably like so maybe the angle you just could see this like all the cardboard cutouts turned two D. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was the '90s and it was on 35 mil, right? So a lot of that stuff you would get away with just because the grain would cover it. Yeah, yeah HD yeah. is not kind to yeah. a lot of older films. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, before we get into keeps and cuts, what are some general thoughts about this movie, Greg Beaver? Uh, okay, so first, first of all, I wanted to speak to you directly, Colin, because uh, you know there there are a lot of films that you know uh, we watch as as movie fans that just really speak to us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like someone might get a lot out of something like an Arrival, or maybe you 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 get a lot out of a class watching a cinematic history in like Metropolis or something like that. Yes. Uh, from the very outset, when you when you initially watched the trailer, it was clear that. Sudden death was speaking your language. Yes. So why is that? Because I like I like uh, I much like the show opening. I like hockey. I like goof. <laughs> I like action movies. I like things. I even I like I like poor hockey. I also like poor action movies. <laughs> so so everything about this looked like it was going to be right right up my alley, and I was ready to go gung ho on it. Uh, it disappointed, but then it also didn't disappoint because it was it was. A little bit zanier in parts than I thought it was going to be, but it was also a little darker in parts. It's like, uh, like the like the opening scene really kind of took me out of the movie, where it was like, where Jean Claude Van Damme's trying to save this little girl in this burning house, and then like the house collapses on top of them, and they just the camera zooms in on basically like her dead face. Yeah, I'm like holy cow, like. Yeah, they also never a- pay that scene off. No, like, like no, it leads yeah. to nothing and goes nowhere. Yeah. So it's oh, spoil, spoiler alert. That's like the first on that's, my list of cuts. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Because I, I, I mean, if you're going to, if we're going to do that, at the very least, he he has to have some sort of journey to I don't know, become a fireman again, or be or, or I, I regain I a, his I confidence. Yeah. I feel like they were trying to pay it off when at the end of the movie, Powers Booth is like, "I'm going to let you live, and you get to have the knowledge you weren't able to save your little girl," and then oh. he's like, "No." and jumps in the way of the bullet. I feel like that was their really clumsy attempt to pay that off. It did not work. No, no. 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 In no. fact, I, it, it worked so poorly, I didn't even pick up on that. That was what they yeah. were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot There's a lot in this movie where it feels like they're setting stuff up that then doesn't pay off or pays off really poorly later on. Yeah. And then there's a lot of stuff where it's like, oh, that wasn't really set up very well. Yeah. It's structurally very disjointed like i feel like i feel like maybe this movie is partly the victim of the editing bay like there's maybe some stuff that hit the cutting room floor that really shouldn't have in order to tighten it up there's one specific moment where i was sure that the editor had a stroke because (laughs) there's a there's a moment where i think van damme is in the bowels of the arena and then suddenly it cuts to uh booth powers uh saying something powers booth powers booth (laughs) Which it's yeah. his it's a it's his name either way. Let's, 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 let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Old Boothy, he's he's and he's threatening the president. He says something to the effect of like I'm immortal or something like that. Like it's it's very, oh yeah yeah it's I very quick. Part. Then it cuts back to something else, and we're and like me and my wife are like what 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 was that about? <laughs> there yeah there's uh, there so uh, I'll even go to like an, an earlier part of the m- movie where so Jean Clan Van uh, Jean Clan Van Damme he brings his kids to the arena. And he goes, okay, put, puts them in their seats, and he goes off to do whatever he needs to do. And I was expecting at some point, because the, the kids are having a dialogue of, like, uh, like Dad just changes light bulbs. No, he's not. He's a hero. And I was expecting the payoff from that would be, okay, we're going to show what, what is Jean-Claude Van Damme actually doing. They don't actually go back to him at all. Like, he actually disappears from the movie for, like, 15 minutes. And the next time you see him is him just coming back to his kids. Hey, why are you, what's, what's, why is all this coke all over your sister? What's going on? I want to talk about his kids. Okay. Or specifically his son. Yes. Um, because 
his son flip-flops on his opinion of his dad like six times in this movie. There's no journey from, oh, dad's a loser to my dad's a hero because he opens with super happy to see his dad excited to go to the Stanley Cup to, oh, dad's not a real fighter fighter. He's a he's kind of a loser he to, all right, clothes. dad, I respect you. I'm going to do what you say to, oh, my stupid dad. <laughs> I hate my dad to, yay, you're a hero. It's like. What is what is this kid's motivation? Like, what is yeah. his feelings here? I don't understand. Also, I'm not even sure I felt like he ever got, like, a moment where he was like, yay, my dad's a hero. Well, he did no, when his dad, like, made a game-winning save yeah. in an oh, unnecessary right. ham-fisted yeah, hockey scene. Right. It's almost like this movie wasn't written by a professional screenwriter <laughs> yeah. and, and written by the wife of the guy who owned the team. Well, she wrote this story. It was like the, but yeah, it does feel sort of like, like yeah, where they had to like make up that stuff as they go along. Right, but if well, she got a credit, like a story, yeah, goodbye, a story credit could basically be. She literally could have said, uh, "Die hard, hard on ice." No, no, no so story story credit's actually a, a really important thing under under the WGA. Oh, so okay. uh, because it it's plays in the residuals and stuff like that. So she would have definitely contributed to at least an outline or a plot summary. Okay, maybe and like a it, first draft. I don't know if she actually stood in front and wrote in a screenplay format, but she okay. might have written something that was then like handed to a, sort of a writer. So, yeah. Also with his son, there's a, also with his son, and also going back to Gray's comment about the editing, there's a, there's so towards the end where like the clock is ticking down at the end of the third period. And like before, like when Luke Robitaille goes to score like the tying goal and they're literally going between shots of scoreboard, hockey action, hostages, crowd and then they go flip to the son who's standing who's sitting there not on his feet not cheering yep. not Super interested bored. in all what's happening <laughs> and it's sort of like okay what's uh what is actually going on here so yeah it's a bit all over the place i have a question why did it matter that it went to sudden death because that's the name of the movie <laughs> Also, also, it did buy them more time. Flash sudden death on the screen. But it didn't. The the, the terrorists never said, like, we're going to kill everyone by the end of the third period unless it goes to sudden death. Like, it doesn't mean anything. He could have, he should have maybe been more clear at the end of the hockey game. And then when it goes into sudden death, he's like, guess you just bought yourself a little more time. Yeah. That goes back to the structure thing. The structure of this movie is messed up. Yes. And I, I might be mistaken, but. Is it, did any at any point did Van Dam understand that the end of the hockey game was the explodey part? No, I don't think that uh, Powers Booth actually explains that to him no. when he sets down the the rules of the game. Because he's watching the scoreboard as if he knows, but I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did either. <laughs> I don't think that was clear. I don't think Hallmark tells that to him. I don't think uh, Powers Booth tells that to I him. Don't, no. Did the did the the terrorist he tortured? For information, did he tell him? I don't believe so. I think that the terrorist he tortured only spilled the beans that there was a terrorist thing going on. Yeah, yeah. I think, did he tell him about his daughter too, I think maybe? maybe I, I think so, yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you're running around a Coliseum trying to find bombs during a hockey game, it would be a fair assumption to think at the end of the game is when the bombs will go off. Yeah. Or during the game. I, I mean, it's, it's, I, like it's, a, it's, it's a like fair they're leap. Go yeah. up after everyone leaves. I suppose it's just like it just the when I was watching it, like the 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 stakes didn't feel right to me. It just felt off because the it, stakes <laughs> never felt right the whole the whole way through. I feel feel like even like the the, the 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 stakes of I think both of the like of obviously like the terrorist event that's happening. But just like even the stakes of oh, it's the vice president is there. <laughs> like who cares? But even it's like there's like you never you never even get a sense that they're like there's like there should be like uh, 
like like yeah, just the stakes feel always underwhelming because oh, it's the you know the vice president's there. Who cares? It's not like it's the president. Even the game seven is kind of treated a bit kind of like like you like who it. cares? Yeah, yeah, like even so, like even the, there's the scene where where uh, Jean Claude goes up to pick up his kids from from his wife and the, the new husband, and he's like, and she Jean Claude gets in trouble because hey, your 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 day to take the kids is tomorrow for his birthday. And he's like, oh, but I've got Game Seven tickets now. And maybe, maybe it's my Canadian hockey speaking. But if it's like, if divorced dad shows up with Game Seven Stanley Cup final tickets, like the reaction shouldn't be, but we're gonna go for dinner tonight. Yeah, to like to like Olive Garden. Like who cares? Like, though to be fair, I will say I did like that uh, their stepdad was clearly a cool dude because he was like, those hey, look like hockey tickets. Those look like yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, come on. Feels like a very '90s thing to have, like the 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 ex-wife be like a, a total bitch about things, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that did is, kind of feel '90s. Yeah, that's hasn't that's still a thing. No, that's yeah. not a, it's not just a. I guess thing. I'm overestimating how far we've progressed a little bit. But, but it, and even but even like with the terrorists, like maybe and maybe 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 just is this maybe just the sign of the times where it's sort of like oh they want money, like big deal. I mean, come on, like like where's like the big. We're gonna light off a bomb that's gonna sink the entire East Coasters, or but this you know, is something it's like the '90s. Like this is before yeah. 9/11, right? So right. the stakes are automatically just, just lower cash. because yeah, yeah. It's, it's that's relatable to an audience because yeah. they can't that's imagine. Probably, yeah, and again, that, that's well, where my uh, was it where my modern and you also is. have to take into account Die Hard because yes. again, this is Die Hard on Ice, and the motivation for Hans Gruber was I'm actually I'm using a terrorist attack to cover up the fact that I'm just actually a high level thief. Right. And so of course Powers Booth just wants to steal all the money and he's taken a hockey arena full of people hostage yeah. and the vice president in order to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's kind of the thing the part where the the it kind of is less interesting for me because the whole the whole subterfuge and diehard makes it interesting that initially you think it's a terrorist plot and then it's revealed that ah, no we're just crooks we just want the money or whatever. And like I think they kind of he's he, they kind of imply that that old Boothy wants <laughs> the late great Powers Booth. Yeah. He passed away just a few years ago. <laughs> that he that he wants to give the money to some sort of other foreign power. I think they imply that. Oh, at some did they point. say that? I don't. Uh, even, I no, don't he was that. he was retransferring it to a bunch of offshore accounts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it was it was it was like you know you know we're going to trace all this money. You'll never get away with this. And he's like, it's untraceable because I'm putting it through. Dutch Bank. And I have blah, blah, blah. I have thoughts about um, about Powers Booth's character, but that's for the fixing the movie sure. half of this. So do we want to do we, do we want to do some keeps and cuts? What, for, I want to know sure. what people want to keep in this movie. <laughs> I have a couple things. Uh, well, I had already mentioned that I would cut the the opening scene. Yes, I don't think that's necessary. I think you can uh, you can establish a lot of that background better. Um, I think when because Hallmark. Uh, Actually, when they find out that there's that McCord's in the building and that he's like trying to muck things up, he tells the other Secret Service guys like run a full background on this guy. So he can be set up as this as this like the fire marshal for the arena at the top. And then Hallmark, when he goes to meet up with Powers Booth and spoiler alert twist, Hallmark is one of the bad guys. He can then like give the guys dossier to Powers Booth and be like, "This is the guy you're messing with. He's got explosives background. He's like yeah. actually a, like an army badass or something." And I think that's better than he was just a fireman because it also explains 
Oh God, I'm changing. I'm not just cutting. I'm changing. <laughs> uh, but it, it explains better why he's able to defuse a bomb as yeah. well. Cause I don't think most firemen are explosive experts. Yeah. No offense to any firemen listening to our podcast. Uh, yeah. I had that. I had this argument with my wife. Yeah. About the movies. Like, is like, I was like, he's fireman. Like, what does he know about explosives? How did he, how does he know how to defuse a bomb? Like, it yeah. doesn't make any sense I, to me. Like, it wasn't a complicated diffusion. It was cut two wires and click the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's not, I think that was, I mean, it's a MacGuffin, right? So yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I think he was, the first time you see him defuse it, he's like, I hope this works. That's, and and that's fair. That was a weird. It was a weird way to try to do the tension of a of a of a bomb diffusing because he cuts. He's got two wires, and he doesn't just cut one of them. He cuts them both, and there's like so he's like sweating, and then he cuts one of them, and he's like phew, and then it goes back to like him again, and he and he's he's like nervous again, and we're like why? Like there's there's only two cords. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, cutting the was, second one. That was. I was wondering why you just wasn't using scissors at that point. Why is he using so a like, pocket knife? So I was like, were you just guessing? Like, I, I guess I'll cut both of them. I, yeah, I think he was just guessing. <laughs> it makes a lot more sense if it's just, like, kinda, just I, one of them because then he's got to pick them. I kind of wonder, even like going back to like, like oh, firefighters aren't exactly explosive ex- experts, that it, maybe that was like a last minute change where it was like, where it was like okay, he was like a, an army cop, something or other. They're like, well, we can't do that because then it'll just be like a super obvious diehard ripoff. Let's just make him a firefighter. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm down with him being the fire marshal for the building. Yeah. I just, oh yeah, that's that's fine. I just think that you should you should better establish why he has why he is just the guy who happens yeah. to have the right. And also, he needs to be okay with like I killing think, people in kitchens. I think if he's a bomb expert in in the cold open, he makes the wrong choice and ends up blowing up a building. Yeah, that'd be like fine. That. Yeah. that's even the, better. Yeah. yeah, and he's then he's working as a as a lowly that's... quote unquote fire marshal. Uh, you know, not doing his profession anymore. That's yeah. the sound of me writing down. That's uh, that's a better <laughs> that's that's a better fix. But at any rate, I think we can all agree. Cut the scene at the beginning. Yeah, I don't agree with that at all. Okay, I would, I would actually keep. I'm going to blow you guys' mind. I'm going to keep everything in the movie and just restructure it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Mm. That's so that so I'm fun. yeah. The, I think the I think the movie has structural problems uh, that are pretty easy to fix, and so I would keep all the pieces. Okay. Just wow. move them around we, on the board. We just want to rearrange the puzzle. Yeah. Okay. Just on the on the bomb defusing or stuff a little bit, or on his firefighter uh, job at the beginning. Like, is it is it not like a little fucked up that um, he tells his son not to move, even if the building's falling down around you, when that was the exact way that the little girl dies oh. at the beginning of the oh, movie. Yeah. yeah, weird. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, I mean that's an inconsistency, but that's plot, right? Because it needs to pay off later when he can say to his dad, I didn't move, Dad. I told did what you told me to do. I, I know. And they're like, that's kind of an it's kind of a good moment, but it also doesn't really make sense for his character no. at all. No, it would making sense with his character be hand the kid to somebody and evacuate the kid. Yeah. Right. So um I if realizing that uh, that we've just established that you want to keep everything and restructure it. One other thing that I would cut is um, at the end of the movie, Powers Booth has donned his disguise. Yeah, he looks like Hockey Dad Number Two, and he's like three inches from being home free. Like he's already established that he wins if he gets out of the building because he's got the money. He just needs to escape with the crowd. But instead he decides to kidnap a little girl for no reason. And that 
is so incredibly stupid that I can't help but say that should be cut because she did recognize him sure but no one was listening to her no one could hear her over the crowd and mccord only noticed when she shrieked when powers booth grabbed her yeah so powers booth could have just been like whoop and slipped out with the crowd she Mm -hmm. never would have found him again and he would have won so the fact that he grabbed her is just so mind-bogglingly dumb that i'm that that it completely undermines anything about his character earlier and I have I have a better way to develop his character over the course of the movie, in fact, which is one of my changes. But I would cut that as well. I don't think he needs to. I don't I think he needs to grab the girl, but I don't think that's the circumstance where he does it. Can someone explain to me? And I think I missed this. Why? Why exactly did John claude Van Damme steal the goalie gear and go onto the ice? Because he was trying to escape from the bad guys who he'd been thoroughly whipping the butts of. Oh, okay. Throughout yeah. most of the movie up until that point. All of a sudden, it was like I, all of a sudden he was like, because I'm watching it, and all of a sudden he's in the dressing room and he's trying to hide, and there's uh, Brad Tolliver on the bench getting resuscitated or whatever was happening, all by himself, all by himself with an oxygen mask on. No, no. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the next thing I know, like. There is Jean-Claude wearing the goalie gear going out on the ice. And I kind of went, what's happening? What A, what is happening? B, why is this happening? It, totally unnecessary. So I, yeah, and, and that, it, that, I would actually cut that because that was sort of like so my, my toss so my pin in the air moment. I think it's completely necessary in a different place in the movie because right. it's a character moment, right? So him getting in there and becoming the goalie at a necessity because he's being chased – uh, then relates to the whole sign language thing with the kid where the kid's like, well, that's my dad. So if you rearrange that and you put it in a different place in the movie, then he could be doing, If let's just say you put the little girl at the window in the box and she's like, the powers booth is like, uh, your dad's dead, I killed him because his men are like, we, he's dead, we're sure he's dead. And he's actually killed Brad Tolliver instead, let's say. So then if, if Van Damme were to do the sign language to the box, then the little girl would be like, oh, he's alive and not say anything. Right. right. So then you can still have that character moment of like, of, of the communication with the family without, and actually have it mean something. Whereas here, where it is right now, it doesn't, there's no payoff. It doesn't. Right. Yeah. Um, one thing about that, he gets off the ice, he gets, he gets ejected from the game because he needs to get out of the hockey game. So he just like sucker punches one of the Blackhawks. Yeah. And can I, can gets I just pause kicked out of right the game. there because the, the, the guy who plays the coach deserves an Oscar for the expressions on his face. <laughs> yeah, he was great. <laughs> he was pretty good. He definite keep. Solid keep. Yeah. Just a thousand dollar fine. <laughs> <laughs> so Jean-Claude Van Damme gets kicked out of the hockey game and then it cuts to like the clock and there's two and a half minutes left on the clock before the end of the third period and he's in full goalie gear and then in less than 30 seconds he's like back in his in his fire marshal gear and lacing up his boots and i'm just like i have to believe that any nhl goalie would just have like burst out laughing right there for one thing the nhl hockey pads don't have plastic clips for to get you in and out of the pads they but have their leather straps but 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 even but even with that scene and i think if we're gonna if we're gonna keep him in if we're gonna keep that goalie scene because they established that somehow he got into that stuff very, very quickly fast. and then out of it 
even faster. But 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 there but there was there not even a scene like when when he's changing that he's sort of like you can see he's like trying to get undressed quickly because the bad guys are coming around again. So it's sort of like okay, you basically turned on, put on the Goldie equipment like Avengers Infinity Iron Man style, where it just sort of appears on his person, and then at the end it's like okay, I have to like unzip this and unclip that. But yeah, his plastic road hockey pads. Yeah. That was uh, I just yeah. I want to I just want to be clear that what we're saying here is getting in and out of Goalie equipment is the point at which you guys lost your suspension of disbelief <laughs> Basically, in this movie. Actually, Everything else actually, up to that point, actually, you're yes. on board. That was, that <laughs> okay. was like, I was on board fighting the mascot, like multiple deaths in the in the hockey arena kitchen. I'm cool with that, but it was like, he got into that stuff really quickly. <laughs> I was even on board with his little, like, his little, uh, here's, his little spike shooter thing he had here's in his the wrist. Thing. I wouldn't, I, it wouldn't have brought me out of the movie so much if they hadn't drawn attention to how quickly he was doing it. If he, if they had just like he's in the dressing room, smash cut, he's like back in his normal clothes, I wouldn't have noticed it, but it's the fact that they kept cutting back to the clock and that very little time was passing between him being in full goalie gear and not being in full goalie gear. Also, that it was just like, that That happened weirdly quickly. I will propose that it makes a better movie if he just finishes the rest of the movie in parts of the goalie <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Just with Hard Hard, hard agree on like, that. Like Jean-Claude Van Damming and kicking like, people with his knife shoes. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's actually a great idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or if we could somehow get the the him in the goalie gear to fight the uh, the mascot. Yeah. Goalie Jean-Claude Van Damme and just have like, and just have someone walk by and look in and see the goalie fighting the mascot and just be like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Just like uh, drop their popcorn and back it's away. Tuesday. What do we? Uh, all right. So, um, so, so Robin's keeping everything. What are what, what is uh, what are some specific things that uh, we want to keep in this? Oh, the mascot fight because it's the best I'm, fight yeah, in the movie. Yeah, I'm keeping the mascot yeah. fight. I'm keeping yeah. that. I I kind of like I giggled out loud with the whole like dead guy on a zamboni coming out of the rink, opening up the zamboni, and there's just more dead bodies in there. I kind of giggled at that. I, I, I guess I mean like it was goofy. it's kind of a it's kind of a gross R-rated moment I guess but it was just like yeah I, I didn't really understand why that was it did make any sense which is kind of why I liked well it's it. all the FBI guys yeah 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 that they were sending clothes yeah. right so it's I don't know it. it uh, Something about that fell off and I can't really the whole movie feels <laughs> off like the, like so there's all of these great potentially great moments that are completely mishandled in how they're either presented or structured right so yeah. like that that should have been a oh we're we're boned moment for the fbi and escalated the stakes right yeah but the the, the fbi stuff never gets escalated no also i'm keeping luke robitaille okay <laughs> just because i thought he did get I, I I wrote down that I wanted to keep the uh, the helicopter falling coin slot style back into the arena. <laughs> oh yeah, very slowly. <laughs> by the way, the slowest helicopter fall in a thousand years. I would I would cut all of the um, extras and secondary players, um, actors, because every everybody who is not sort of who had like one line or less are terrible. <laughs> yeah, there's. <sighs> One of my issues with, uh, honestly, the structure of the movie is that Powers Booth shows up with a whole bunch of henchmen, but you don't get a sense of who the bad guys are. Like in in Die Hard, and we're going to keep drawing yep. a parallel to Die Hard because it's Die Hard on Ice. You you know who all the bad guys are. You know where they are. You have a sense of how many are left and how and and what this what the the number of bad guys uh, John McClane has to deal with are at any given time. Yeah. And in this movie, 
you don't like he's he's got all these faceless goons, but they're just like around and you easily lose track of who's who. And very few of them are distinctive and the distinctive ones go out really like quick, quick and lame. Like the guy with the earring. It should have been a bigger payoff to Mm -hmm. that guy because Mm -hmm. he was a big slimy dick. And uh, the uh, the computer hacker guy, like he goes down like a chump and he should have been (laughs) it should have been a bigger payoff for that guy, too, because he actually does stuff. And it, I, I kept losing track of who the bad guys were. Yeah, and that's yeah. not a good, no. that's not a good look movie. There's no, there's no good human moments for any of the the antagonists. So, like, even in Die Hard, like if you remember when they're setting up for the cops to come, and that one guy is at the concession stand in the lobby and gives the chocolate bars a second look and then reaches in and steals one and has right. that like guilty look on his face. That's you know, that's a very human moment that then distinguishes that guy as a person rather than an archetype, right? Yeah, so, and there was the brothers too, right? So, yeah. like, there was there was a, a reason for one of the brothers to go hard after John McClane to get right. some revenge. So that you know, but they all in, it, Die Hard is full of these like little yeah. little human moments um, that really makes them like antagonists rather than just faceless goons which yeah. is what this movie is this movie sa- spent more time setting up the lady in the mascot costume and the chef and his wife who are then killed in the first 10 minutes yeah. Yeah. than it did any of the bad guys yeah. yeah yeah just to warn you ahead of time I, I, I am probably proposing to cut the uh, the whole chef murder scene sure you can do that let's do it this is the part of the yeah, podcast the where you would we, do where that we, where we do that <laughs> Yeah, that part. Yeah, that part was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I just think there's a better thing you can do with the, with the chef, which I'll get yeah. into in the second half. Uh, any more of the uh, some last minute thoughts before we get into our ch- 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 changes for the movie? No, this is the second best Van Damme movie. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> what's the first one? Time, time Cop. Okay. Yeah, same director. Seen... Same director, and Time Cop was done a year earlier, and this was part of a. I remember deal. liking Time Cop. I haven't seen it in such a long time. I can't. What about it. Hard Target? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Hard Target's okay. It's a John Woo movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke Robitaille, by the way, only played on the Pittsburgh Penguins for one season, and somehow got into a movie for him. Good for him. Well, he just happened to be playing in the right season. Just yeah. yeah. And the, like, and the, I guess put they, up his hand. They shot all that oh. stuff in the preseason, so uh, and uh, they so they somewhat established. We haven't even we haven't mentioned this, but they kind of sort of imply that Jean Claude Van Damme is Canadian. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, well his character saying is, it. Yeah. yeah. So good for him. Yeah. Canadian, I wrote, I wrote down Canadian Die Hard. There, uh, to be fair, that was a pretty solid joke at the beginning, where the vice president goes to visit the Penguins, and yeah. he's like, "You guys, Democrats or Republicans?" And the one penguin replies, we're Canadians. And the vice president is like, legit. <laughs> I, you know what? That actually, that moment resonated in a way now in, in 2019 <laughs> like nobody that, wants it, to that I did not care about in 1995. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, we're going to take a little bit of break and then we're going to come back and we're going to make this uh, a better movie one way or the other, whether a helicopter falls us or not. In Alberta, you get to choose where where to buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kasawaski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more at parkpower.ca. All 
Alrighty, welcome back. To I have some notes. We are going to take this movie, and we're gonna. Well, we're, I think we're gonna we're we're gonna create multiple versions of this movie because uh, Robin is says he can make this a good movie just by moving around the, the the bits and pieces of it. So he's just gonna put in the old like movie scrambler and pop out a new version. So I mean, so I want to hear that first because I feel like the 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 other mo- version, the better version. That Scott's thinking of, that Greg's probably thinking of, and I'm probably thinking of, probably involves some radical, radical, somewhat radical changes. Am I right? Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I don't know if yeah. radical necessarily describes it. But are we keeping the lead? I guess it is, or are we? <laughs> this, you know, I will keep Jean-Claude okay. this time. Yeah. See, and here's <laughs> the thing: the more we were talking about it earlier, the more I thought maybe it would be it would behoove the movie to replace Jean-Claude <laughs> because you you have to take into account not just that it's Jean-Claude Van Damme who's fine, but at this time period, Jean-Claude Van Damme had a lot of personal issues that made for bad movies. Cocaine. And uh, I I can't help but wonder if the movie might have been better served by having a different lead. I, I can't imagine who, but... Emilio Estevez. Just having, <laughs> he's, he's in all the, the hockey movies now. I, I can only answer that with how dare you. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, let's. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I want to throw it to Robin first. So, Robin, you uh, make this a better movie. Okay. So, Sudden Death s- suffers from what I call the speed problem, uh, which is that speed uh, with Keanu Reeves' movie uh, emotionally ends an hour or half an hour before the end of the movie because getting off the bus is the end of that movie, and then there's the killing Dennis Hopper part. Right. And so, emotionally, Sudden Death ends at the end of the game. Right, it's not the helicopter climax after everyone's left, so the movie Sudden Death has the same problem. So you have to shuffle things around in order to get the crescendo moment where you actually get a climax. So, from a plot standpoint, from a character standpoint, having um, Van Damme have that little girl die in his arms in the beginning of that movie, there's a way to pay that off by actually having, essentially, having his daughter go under the same circumstance. At the end of the movie, only she doesn't die. Which is to say that she's, like, in the path of the helicopter crash. Correct. And he saves her. Correct. He, he actually goes under the rubble and, and, and is essentially, you get exactly the same reveal, only her eyes open and closed and she's alive and says, Daddy, I love you. Right? <laughs> that, is, that is the correct ending, yes. So, that's, so there's a way to pay that off. And so, the, so when you think about the, um, the FBI agent Hallmark and his turn... Uh, he gets tur- he, like he turns and dies instantaneously, right? It's yeah, pretty much. It's it, and he, up to that point, his whole character is: I can't believe this is happening. We're the FBI. We're better than this. And then he's not better than this because he's actually not incompetent. He's on the bad guy. Yeah, he's side. been purposefully sabotaged. Right. Him. He's been so. There's a way. So if you shuffle that around, so that reveal. Of him going bad. I mean, you literally, all you clone Die Hard. You make the structure more like Die Hard, where the reveal of Hallmark would be similar to Gruber's reveal, where he's pretending to be an American, um, and McLean sees through it and hands him an empty gun. Right. So that that happens in the end of the second act of Die Hard, or beginning of the third act. So this movie, to me, just has been scrambled editorially, either from a script point of view or from a editing point of view where nothing pays off in the right way. And so, like, even the mascot fight, which is really good, doesn't pay off. Like, so the gun goes into the into the dishwasher reservoir. I don't understand that dishwasher that's got a big 
pool of hot stuff underneath where you put the dishes. <laughs> That's not how industrial dishwashers work. So, but, uh, and the mascot, it, it gets pulled through. That gun, so there's a thing called like Chekhov's gun, right? That gun should have come back at some point. Well, they, it's the same thing in that fight where uh, the mascot loses the key. Down, yes. down the elevator. Yeah. And then it's never brought up again, no. even though that's clearly why Jean-Claude later has to go through the roof to get to the box. Yeah. Right. It, he doesn't explain that. It's never, we know why he needs to do that, but it never seems like he knows why he needs yeah. to do that. And that was a problem for me. That's a big flaw in the movie, in the writing, in that the, the, the audience is 100% uh, ahead of everyone else in the movie all the time. Well, it's like when we were talking in the first half about how does Jean-Claude know that the end of the hockey games when the bombs are going to go off. Right. We know that, but at right. no point did he learn that. And it's the same right. thing with that. Yeah, Absolutely. And so for me, for in terms of restructuring things, the, the helicopter explosion at the end uh, could be combined. See, I would have, so here's what I would have done. I would have combined that with the end of the game. And so having the the game go to sudden death is fine because it's a it's a pun and it's kind of a you know oh well powers booth's like oh well i gotta i gotta stick to the plan the game's not over i guess i don't <laughs> kill you guys now more opportunity to get money i actually th- that that last thing is exactly what i would do i'd just yeah. have him go well i guess you've got yeah like between five and 20 more minutes to get me more yeah. money you've got until the, a goal to yeah and then and everyone dies anyways right so but the helicopter stuff like the helicopter could be just sitting there hovering waiting having the guy with the the shoulder it's not even a rocket it's a, literally a grenade launcher <laughs> this is acting like uh, like a um like a scud almost yeah. <laughs> that he's firing from like five city blocks away at a moving target and it just hits it no problem uh, that's that's where I was like that's the point where I had a problem with the movie. I was like yeah, that's for us, dumb. For us, it was goalie pad yeah. clips. I was like <laughs> at least put an RPG on his shoulder if you're going to do that kind of nonsense. So, um, but yeah, there's there's structurally the movie doesn't actually fall into three acts. It kind of is all over the place in terms of there's no there's no like I said there's no rising and falling. Yeah, I can't really point. Moment. I can't really point to the part where. Jean-Claude Van Damme is at his lowest point. No. No, there's not. And that the there's a ways to, within the structure of this movie, have him be at his lowest point. Mm-hmm. His son could be in jeopardy. He could think his son is dead, right? Because his son could be could have been disappeared. Uh, yeah. You know? Um, the highest... I or, mean, like, he... The, the, the helicopter falls right on his right, right on seat top section. Right and then, yeah. and then you get a reverse payoff where he's yeah. like, I'm sorry, Dad, I moved. <laughs> and, and then Dan would be like, that's okay, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a ton of elements there that are fine that are just – and I feel like this movie probably, if I had to speculate, one of the reasons why it's so structurally messed up is they probably had the Street Fighter problem where the lead actor was very difficult to get on set and do his bit on more on one day. It so. very well could be. And in a challenging shoot where they're trying to shoot a hockey game and, and in an arena and when they have time to shoot in the arena and probably limited time for setting up shots and stuff like that. And it's probably they're probably under the gun, I would imagine. I don't, I, so they, they had 90 days to shoot the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And they shot on location in the Coliseum during the offseason. And so the hockey stuff was all at the end of the shoot when they were in the preseason oh, okay. for, for, the, for the series or for the, for the team. 
So they more than likely would have had to accommodate, you know, like events like concerts and stuff mm-hmm. going through that arena. But, um, but yeah, no, because they're shooting in the bowels of the arena, because there's a lot of, there's not, there's not really any sets except for the, the box as a set. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's why you never see out the windows of the box is mm-hmm. cause it's a set. Uh, because it's all location stuff, they could easily be shooting. I mean, you can kind of tell that they're shooting during other stuff is happening because there's a, a crap ton of ADR in this movie. Like, it's almost entirely all ADR, so um, so they've replaced all of, all of the voices. Yeah. yeah. Other than on the set uh, of, the, of the booth. Right. So, yeah, so I would expect that they didn't have any problems you know, scheduling around an arena being in use. Okay. That's, yeah. I think this is more of how do you make something out of nothing, especially when you're following up Time Cop, which was super successful. <laughs> it's the same team, same director. Was it a financial success? Time, Time Cop was enormously successful, yeah. Yeah. Because this movie uh, was not, at least this? not at least not uh, domestically. It was uh, more made, of a hit uh, uh, internationally. Yeah, the budget was $35 million. It made about 65 worldwide, but that was like overseas. That was Philippines, Australia, uh, Europe. So, yeah. So, in the States, it was not a big hit. No. I mean, Hockey. Ha-ha. It was a big... So, it was a big deal in 95 that this movie was coming out a year later that was the same director and the same lead like it was like this is going to be the follow-up time cop it's going to be rad and then it wasn't (laughs) it was it was definitely not rad i want to talk about powers booth okay let's do that so uh one of my big changes um i think has to do with better better handling the villain because powers booth comes across as really limp and flat in this movie and it's because, and that's not to suggest that he's acting poorly, because he mm-hmm. is a thousand percent committed to this character, yeah. uh, which is great. I'm, what I mean is, and I again, this is po- probably pointing to structural issues with the movie, um, is that he's very boring in the movie, because nothing, he, like, he's cool as a cucumber through the whole thing, um, nothing seems to be phasing him, he's just kind of a jerk, and it's, when you compare it to, again, Die Hard with Hans Gruber... Gruber's a more interesting villain because he's dealing with John McClane the whole time. Like, he's not just above it all. Mm-hmm. He's, like, he's he's got this meticulously plotted out scheme, and John McClane is throwing monkey wrenches into it, and Gruber has to roll with those punches. Mm-hmm. So he's thinking on his feet. He's reacting to John McClane. He's getting frustrated with John McClane. He's trying to find ways to beat John McClane, and it becomes a chess game between them, and that makes Hans more interesting. And for the most part, you don't really get that with Powers Booth here because yeah. no. because he doesn't interact that much with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And uh, when he does, it's really at a remove. And I think that there's a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that is to better explain his motivations. And I think that earlier in the movie, um, or partway through the movie, actually, you have the vice president actually be like, dude like you why are you so unflappable here like you've got this mccord guy running around in your arena disarming your bombs and killing your men and you don't seem to care at all because he doesn't in the movie and have him more like specifically explain listen i'm getting my money like it's being transferred and as i've already explained it's in the wind after that i don't care if he disarms the bombs because 
That's just a distraction at this point. I don't care if he kills my men because that's one less person I have to pay. So I make more money every time he kills one of my men. And I win if I get out of this arena. So, like, the there's nothing he can do that I care about until Jean-Claude Van Damme storms the castle. Because as soon as he's within punching distance of Booth Powers, or Booth Powers, as soon as he's within punching distance of Powers Booth, Powers Booth's plan is screwed. And that's the point where he panics and takes the girl hostage because he knows that that's his daughter. And that's that leads into the finale rather than mm. every rather than everyone leaving at the end of the hockey game. That's the point where where he makes his critical mistake, because the one thing that could go wrong, Jean-Claude Van Damme getting his hands on me is happening right now. And so he panics. He grabs the girl. He heads up into the rafters and we get our climax. Yeah. And I think that that's that's a better trajectory for that villain. And I think it pay, it plays better. As yeah, well. I, I agree. I mean, he's one note. As he's screaming and chewing, you know, scenery the whole time. But I actually think it would be very interesting to really twist that by um, making him like a predecessor to the Joker in the Dark Knight. In that he, at the end of the day, does not care about the money. This was all, you know, the reason he's unflappable is because he really doesn't care about any of this. It's just for the anarchy of it. Because then at that point, when he, if he actually started popping off the explosions while there's people in the arena, then the stakes go up enormously because he's like yeah no man this is i'm just i'm just here to cause some chaos and then having van damme show up as batman basically that would i think it almost that'd be more almost more interesting if he was like if he wasn't like the head honcho of the terrorist group. yeah if he was like sort of like a loose cannon right hand man that over a period of time starts to take over yeah in that if hallmark is maybe the mastermind behind yeah 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 it. and yeah and he just this is just this guy that he can't control that he's employed to get everything done for yeah. him but oh that's actually brilliant yeah um hallmark is of course he's the head of the he's not the fbi guy he's actually the secret service guy Sorry, I said FBI instead of secret. But that's but that's fine. Can we, can we but change you that could, in the edit. <laughs> sure, yeah. But we we edit everything so tightly in this show for sure. No problem. Uh, but you could have you could have the twist be that Hallmark is the one who's been masterminding this. That's why the Secret Service protection was so poor. That's why they have access to all this like military gear. Hallmark and Hallmark even mentions at one point that he's being taken for a ride by his ex-wife. So this could be his play to make a bunch of money. Right. And then Powers Booth goes off the reservation and the Hallmark gets himself killed and now Powers Booth is the guy in charge. Yeah. That's an interesting kind of twist on that, actually. I mm-hmm. kind of like that. Uh, there's another method of adding a little bit more entertainment value to this movie because I feel like this movie does not have... Uh, no, there's not a lot of personality right, in all these characters and the only character that really has a whole lot of personality is old Boothy. Right? <laughs> so what I want to do is... I want to change the 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 chef. There's a, there's a chef in this movie. Just to describe it to listeners, uh, he the chef uh, is uh, cornered by the terrorists um, because they are threatening his wife, and he basically lets them into the vice president's box so that they can uh, kidnap him or whatever, hold him hostage. And then the wife and the chef are both promptly killed. Yeah, and they're both killed immediately. So there's again like we set up some payoffs and. Well, that's the stakes thing, right? It's like you set up this character and then you eliminate them immediately. Yeah. There's no stakes. Yeah. There's no jeopardy. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, eliminate uh, the the wife completely and and maybe uh, make the chef more of like uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's sidekick, sort of like... um, 
what's his name's role in uh, in Die Hard, I guess. No, don't worry. You don't have to look it up. Reggie Reginald, isn't it Reginald Val Reginald Johnson? Reginald Val Johnson, that's yeah. right. Oh, oh, I thought, okay. But he, like, essentially, I thought, like, it would be kind of neat if, if, the, if the chef was sort of, he just happens upon the mascot fight. And he's sort of, he's sort of watching Van Damme beat the crap out of the mascot. And there's sort of, like, a comedic element to that because he doesn't know what's going on. So it makes that whole fight a little bit more interesting. And I also thought, since he's making, like, uh, he's the head chef and since he's making uh, dinner for the vice president, this is a very important thing for him. Uh, when they're going around the kitchen ruining all his food because like when we were watching it we thought it's really weird that all his food is cooking and nobody's around Mm -hmm. yeah they just left everything out yeah so for like for the head chef to be there and just like watching them ruin all of his stuff and be like what's happening so like another uh, extra uh, comedic element uh, to it and and because they're together at the conclusion of that fight um, you can have uh, the two of them sort of torture the the mascot girl into giving them inf- more information, and then from that point, Van Dam enlists the chef to help him defuse all the bombs and stuff like that. So you have another comedic element in this guy that's way out of his element, having to try and go around the bowels of the arena and attempt to uh, defuse all these bombs. Two things. First thing. Um... I actually thought when they introduced the chef that they were setting him up to be a sidekick because like he demonstrates his cool knife skills and he's got some personality and then he's promptly murdered. And it's just like, oh, that seems like the waste of an interesting character. Number two, uh, I don't think they torture the mascot lady because Van Damme totes kills her. They torture the long haired security guy again. But you have that's that's a perfect build in. The chef goes to get the security guy. He's like my fire. The fire marshal's beating up the mascot. What's happening? And the security guys who we know is a villain because we've seen him already is like, show me. And then, of course, he betrays them and the chef realizes, oh, something's going on. And now I'm on Van Damme's side. Right. And then they get the information out of that guy still. I like that. I think that works. I also just as another point of where my suspension of disbelief was broken was uh, no chef would use a cleaver to cut onions. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) I also thought like if he's the head chef, would he just be toiling away cutting onions? Wouldn't he have other things to do? I don't Screaming at the line. I don't know. Does, does Gordon Ramsay often yeah, chop I onions? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what a head chef does on a, on a day-to-day basis. Maybe they do, uh, but I just thought it was weird. Um, another thing I was thinking is, like, because this is 1995, and, and, and you know, on SNL, like, Tim Meadows, Will Ferrell, David Koechner, uh, Molly Shannon, these are all comedic actors that you can pull in and, th- and throw into that chef role, and I thought that would be really fun. It goes back to I would get rid of all of the... I would replace all of the secondary yeah. roles because they're all underserved. Yeah, you know, yeah th- this movie just is really missing that. Like that's one of the things that makes Die Hard pop is that there there's some genuine levity in that. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's missing, and that maybe that's kind of where where it it missed the mark for me was that like like the like the premise screams this is going to be a hoot, giddy yeah. up, grab my popcorn. <laughs> yeah, and then like just like yeah, how they how they you know they they you know with the girl right at the beginning they. Like you know, they killed the chef and then like the guy's wife. Even even when Van Damme finds like the like the again introducing characters they're, they're going to kill off later, the woman who is actually the mascot finds her in a closet. And he's or, like, or, oh darn. He's like, darn. And, and they, they keep and like she's just laying there on the floor and they keep going back. To her. And it's I legit like, when they set her up, I thought like, oh, is 
is Van Damme dating the mascot? Yeah, lady? Like, like they, I legitimately got that impression. And then she's dead and he's just like, well, oh, I'm like, I God guess dang. they weren't as close as I thought. Like, yeah, I, I, I feel I feel like I feel like if you if you if we were if we were given the monies and we were making this movie again, like remaking it, I feel like, yeah, like adding just that. Yeah, the, that, that comedic sidekick, adding that little extra fun. Um, yeah, do we what do we do we would you want to keep like all the bombs scattered across like the uh, arena or would we like maybe add some like like hot like they're they're trying to find the bomb and it's like oh gosh it's in the puck or something along those lines like, just, like, <laughs> like it's like just uh, just adding like like I feel I feel like it's it's a I feel like I, I kind of wish this movie was a, just a. It just had a little bit more fan service for hockey fans. You know, what would be it would be really put it in funny. the clock or like it, the water bottle it, or the ref's whistle or something like that. Just something you could, you could get. The box. You could legitimately get Van Damme on the ice if the bomb was in one of the pucks. Yeah, because then he would have a reason to try and be the goalie. There you go. Then he That's ca- my then country. He catches the well, puck and then he yeah. takes off. Boop, or you put it in the penalty box. Because this yeah. would because this actually would have this would have been circa the time when like when they're actually putting micro, microchips yeah. in pucks. Oh, yeah. Via the Fox Tracks puck, so that could have been, you know, you'll you'll never find the last bomb, McCord. I think I think that idea takes this movie in in a much much goofier direction. Thank you. I'll I, not necessarily I'll be, a bad be, If it, I'm a, I'm I'm that's the, I'm, that bus is filling with gas and I'm driving. We may need to downgrade it to like a PG-13 rather than okay. an R-rated movie. Fair, fair enough. I actually think the movie's not violent enough. I think I think the what? Yeah, I think I think this like movie very violence or like icy. I mean, icy went through the dishwasher, man. Got that, but, boiled but, alive. So, it, given the period of the this movie in terms of how violent movies were in the early mid '90s, this movie's barely an R. Like, it's not even close. Right? Are we talking like gory violence? I, I'm like, talking like more explicit violence. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, like if I go back blood. to Speed, the first guy who dies in Speed gets a screwdriver through the ear. Right and in close oh, up, really? yeah. So, like, wow. it, and that's an R-rated movie, and yeah. and so the one of the things I think that makes the movie this movie not as effective as it could be is because the action scenes don't ramp up to any kind of um, pain. You know what I mean? There's no. It's essentially a bunch of set pieces of fighting, like in the kitchen scene with all the implements and the deep fryer and all that. There's no. There's no actual like consequences to all of that stuff there mm-hmm. i mean there should have been somebody punching their hand into the deep fryer right and we the mascot and then coming out and having to tear that glove off because they're burning themselves right and then you've got this gnarled hand and they're screaming and all that kind of stuff that makes this it would make it way more intense there's uh, yeah it feels like they came out the gate with the mascot fight and it, it is the best fight in the movie bar bar none and there's not really a lot of fights period. and but that and it's considering how many henchmen there are yeah. like faceless forgettable henchmen that yeah. you can't even keep track of Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't really have any specifically good fights with any of them other than with Icy and that is a waste yeah. like and that's unfortunate yeah if you if you there's even the fight in the equipment room doesn't make use yeah. of the equipment room very well I yeah. mean there's skates in there if your idea is to hire Van Damme and to be like hey let's put a gun in his hand you're doing it wrong agreed I think I mean that might have been a choice that they were making, or Van Damme was making to try and branch out and get away from being the splits guy because he doesn't do the splits in the movie at all. No, he does not. Which is I was disappointed. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a super bummer. I mean, that's what he's known for, right? So that may they may have been yeah we're gonna make you into um, Bruce Willis instead of he was kind of MacGyver too with his little like compressed air. 
needle shooty thing that he uh, did. That I made. did not even see him make that. When did he make that? He, he grabs a fire extinguisher, yeah. oh, puts okay. a tube on it. Okay. It was with him the whole time. It was, it was. That's his job at the arena <laughs> is to shoot little needles at people. I'm I'm down with him using a gun at the at the climax, mm-hmm. but I mean, you should build up to the point where he finally gets a gun, and he needs to punch and kick a lot more bad guys in yeah. this movie in a lot more interesting ways i absolutely agree also if he's actually you know canonically canadian then it would be really funny if he was like really bad at using a gun at the end of the movie like, <laughs> and he should stick. he should totes jersey a guy too yeah yeah yes yeah seeing that and you see and that goes back to my point where like i, I feel like I just, I just want i want if i i, I was hoping just this would just have more yeah like just weird little hockeyisms. Like in there, like because cause I felt like it was missing some of that. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah like just like yeah, the jersey, like yeah, have him use a hockey stick. Like yeah, we wanna... it, it doesn't know what it wants to be. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's feeding all these different masters of like like the reason the arena is empty plot wise when the helicopter crash happens is because they dropped a helicopter into the arena, <laughs> and you can't have extras there when you're gonna blow that up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a that's a mechanical logistical thing you fix in the writing. And then when you're going to shoot. Yeah. Um, so it's dumb. Like, they, they, there was ways to cut around that yeah. and make more Jeopardy there, right? Um, there's a... That is awesome. Talking about fights <laughs> and, and explosive action scenes as well. There's, there's a theory in pyrotechnics where you go three, one, two, four. Which is to say you open big yep. and then you tone it down. And you and you let it build back up to a big finale, and it's the same with with fight scenes. Really, you you open big, and then you pull it back a bit, and then you build back up to your grand finale. And this movie feels like it opened with a four and then went one the rest of the way, <laughs> yep. and that's unfortunate. I don't even know if it opened with a four either. It opened with like a three and then went with a one the rest of the way because I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it went as big as it could have even with that uh, with that first scene. Sorry, there was a brief ghost, break there because yeah. a ghost walked into yeah. our recording studio. <laughs> the ghost of Powers Booth just walked uh, walked into uh, walked into the studio here. That was weird. That was genuinely disquieting. <laughs> but anyway, the, back to the point I was making, though. I, I feel like the action doesn't really doesn't really build after that point. It yeah. opens big and then it goes nowhere. I and uh, yeah, because it's there. It is serving so many different masters. And trying to, and it has no identity as a movie. Like, there's no, like, Peter Hyams as a director has a visual identity and that he's a poor man's Ridley Scott. Um, And this movie is the least Peter Hyams looking Peter Hyams movie because he's his own cinematographer and he is very much into backlighting and high contrast, right? There's literally one shot in this movie that looks like a Peter Hyams shot. And then they're in the, in one of the equipment rooms where Van Damme is at the top of the stairs and it's a wide shot and there's a bad guy down at the bottom in the hall. And Van Damme's got to come down these this metal stairs. And everything in between those two points of light is in shadow, mm-hmm. various degrees of gradation of shadow. That's a Peter Hyam shot because there's tons of atmosphere and smoke and backlighting. Everything else is like he's struggling with the fact that he's shooting on location and can't control the light as much as he wants. Mm-hmm. So it's a really flat-looking movie too, Yeah. right? So, um, so it's weird because if you look at Time Cop or if you look at any of Peter Hyam's other movies like End of Days – um, they have a really striking visual palette, um, which is very much Ridley Scott inspired. So this, this, I feel this movie is like the big, the big thing around this movie is compromise. Like it feels compromised all the way through. So the, this, the arena turned him more into Tony Scott. <laughs> <laughs> 
Tony Scott was good, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what was uh, Colin had a point that he was going to bring? Oh no, I was just thinking it was like like kind of like how just sort of. Uh, talking about the end fight and stuff like that. And I just thought I just had this vision of instead of having the helicopter mm. fall through the ice because the Civic Arena has got like the roof that kind of opens and closes. So you could actually have like that fight. So like there is a fight actually on the roof while mm-hmm. it's opening that isn't break like, the end. But I just thought it'd be cool to have like something happen with that the roof. So it's go opening and close starts opening, but then starts to close when the fight is happening. And then the bad guy just gets caught as the roof closes. Sure. Gets smushed by the roof. Smushed by the roof. There's, there we go. There's we thought mind. we thought uh, Van Damme was going to get up into the helicopter right. and fight the guys. Yeah. And then he just like shoots everyone. And yeah. it's like, yeah. oh, well, that, that was oh, kind of anticlimactic. There's actually, he also put his daughter in heavy danger by yes. doing that. Oh, too. yes. Yeah, there's a there's this, this sequence in Van Jean Claude Van Johnson on Amazon Prime where Van Damme uses the splits to prevent a uh, underground helicopter layer from the ceiling from opening. <laughs> he keeps so he keeps his, his his powerful leg splits keep it from opening Damn. all the way. I want and to I, see that in this movie. I, yeah, well, that's it. I think I think the splits would have been well deployed here on that that retractable roof. Yeah, for sure, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, we want to hear what uh, what you, the listeners, think. Uh, and you can also uh, let us know what you think. Uh, get in on the note having. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll let you know what movie is coming on, and you can get your notes read on the show, just like these fine folks. Uh, Andrew Craig says, what? This movie is perfect. It's a pretty decent diehard knockoff. Decent fight choreography. Powers Booth chooses scenery. And the stakes are decently high, but I suppose it could have been a little more fluid. The action scenes are more set pieces and a lack of connect, uh, connectivity for a good flow to the story. Also, did it did it have to be the Penguins? So that answer is yes, Andrew. It had to be the Penguins. It was produced by the, the teams, Penguins. The, by, <laughs> basically produced by, by the Penguins. Uh, at J752 says, The fight with the mascot should have taken place on the ice and ended with him repeatedly beating it with a hockey stick in front of the crowd. Then the, <laughs> then the team whose mascot it should have been after him the rest of the movie. Yeah, they're okay. Just <laughs> The Penguins are sort of like trying to chase them. Van Damme versus a hockey team, I think, is the movie we all want to see. Uh, at Bushy82 says, I'm no Canadian, but as far as I'm concerned, there's really only two high ice hockey movies, Mighty Ducks and Slapshot. Eh, fair. I disagree. Goon, also quite good. Uh, Alaska is also good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Corey Park says, I guess I'll have to hate watch this train wreck at some point. Uh, our friend Herman <laughs> you says... You don't have to hate our, watch it. Our friend it's Herman says, uh, please talk about Luke Robitaille. Uh, great job, Luke. I think you did a great... Uh, I think uh, he is out of out of Mighty Ducks. He's my favorite hockey-turned-actor uh, from the two movies we've done so far. There I think you did good. He's like the common thread through our uh, hockey movies so far. We'll have to find a third one that he's in. Oh, no, he wasn't in a Mighty Ducks, was he? Who, uh, Luke Robitaille? Yeah. No, he was not. Oh, never mind. <laughs> but, but at least, but, but so. No, my, my you main complained com- about who was. Yeah, who was my, in main the com- my main complaint with Mighty Ducks was that, like, was Mike Wadano was by far the most popular star and got, like, like one line. Luke Robitaille at least is a star in the NHL at this point. So I think it's sort of like. Now, he's not the star of the Penguins, which still feels off to me. But I mean, at least he's, like, not just. Yeah, some, some guy. How, how is it that Mario Lemieux is not in this at all? Yeah. Or Yager, I don't know. Or Yager, yeah. Money out, this, this, this would have been This would have been after this the Penguin Stanley Cup, so... Yeah, shortly after. So, yeah, so you feel like... Again, this is sort of... Yeah, we'll fix this when we make our hockey movie. <laughs> sure. Yeah, uh, which Connor McDavid will star in. <laughs> uh, uh, Stephanie Chan says, On a very personal note, I'm having flashbacks to the Jean-Claude Van Damme-a-thon. Uh, I can't remember if we did it, if we made it to sudden death before Jonathan Dunbar threw the towel in. I was this tired. Is, this is, Stephanie is, is a friend of mine. And she, we, we, way back when, we had a Van Damme-a-thon where we, the challenge was to watch 
as many Van Damme movies uh, uh, in a night as we possibly could. And whoever stayed awake the longest won a Van Damme poster oh. and a curling trophy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And I believe uh, my buddy uh, Dean won that one. Oh, well, there we go. Uh, good points all. Uh, Robin, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Where can people find you? You can find me at the impossible to say cinematological.com, which is the same handle on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Vimeo. Yeah, there you go. And it's uh, if uh, people have not heard your podcast, what, uh, how would you describe it to people? Uh, it, it, my show is a, it's a YouTube video essay about uh, why it's okay to love bad movies and not feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have done such movies as Hudson Hawk, Waterworld, um, Chud, uh, which is one of my favorites. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. That's Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic, yeah. yeah. Uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah, I believe everyone's been on the show except for Colin. Soon. 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 <laughs> Soon. Watch. Colin will make his debut. Yeah, watch for it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, but I have some notes. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really helps us out. On iTunes? On iTunes and <laughs> iTunes. Uh, it really helps us out. Um, we, are, uh, uh, we Are Alberta is a monthly podcast hosted by ATB economist Nick Ford that explores Alberta's geography, businesses, and organizations, and its diverse and fascinating people all through an economic lens. Read more and subscribe more at atb.com slash wearealberta. Um, uh, our show and others from the network are being broadcast on G Radio. Find that at gradio.ca. You can also find our episodes on CK on the CKWay radio app. You can download that from the Apple App Store. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now for our next episodes, which should be a side notes, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. All right. Um, well, I think we're going to be talking about what makes a good, bad movie. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm very down with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's that. That's it for us. Thanks to everyone for listening. There's a lot of podcasts to listen to these days. Probably upwards of thirty <laughs> million, yeah, at least that. thirty million. Uh, so we appreciate uh, you spending your time with that. So yeah, thanks a lot. Keep watching the skies. Four falling helicopters <laughs> and ghosts walking into your studio. <laughs>